B.J. is uh, gone. You know, uh, it's very interesting how that, that uh, came about. You know, this is the first time, it just suddenly hit me tonight when I heard that uh, Mr. Johnson had passed on, that this is the first time I can remember personally uh, when we did not have a living ex-president. Think about it for a minute. Can you, can you recall any time in your lifetime that we did not have a living ex-president? It would have to be, uh, no, because when did Mr. Hoover die? Uh, not that long ago, actually, sometime in the 50s, wasn't it? Something like that. And, uh, of course, uh, General Eisenhower died a couple years back. And then uh, Harry Truman, and now uh, Lyndon Johnson. And it just hit me that, that this is the first time that I can remember, first time in my lifetime, that there hasn't been at least one ex-living president. You know, the, the, the death of a president does peculiar things to people. Uh, and I, and I, think, I think it's related to, to, uh, to a lot of the ways that we secretly, in our own inner time clock, judge our own lives. That presidents, in a sense, are, are, are a, a, a kind of counterpoint a sort of uh, counter-overwhelming, uh, uh, overweening melody, in a sense, to the tune that we play in our private lives. There's always a president, and uh, nobody alive ever, well, since the days of Washington, who has been an American, cannot say honestly that the president was part of his life, just as much as, in many cases, his own relatives. And when a president dies... It specifically marks an end, not only to a specific man. It also marks the end of a specific phase of history. And it also marks a specific end to a bit of our own personal histories. Now, now it just seems like yesterday that, that people were uh, rioting in the streets and, and, uh, and were uh, demonstrating and protesting. I remember down here in front of the Americana Hotel when when uh, Mr. Johnson was in town. Do you recall that? Herb, we were down there covering that. It just seems just like yesterday. Now, all the people who were there who were involved in that specific uh, thing that night, I'm talking about students and so on, already they're vaguely aware in their own mind that part of their personal life has also gone, which means that, uh, that history is slowly overtaking your sense of the now, do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? I'm not saying it too well, but uh, but presidents. I heard somebody the other day when uh, when the uh, when the, the 
inauguration was going on. I think it was Eric Sefferide. He was saying that, that there are guys in Washington who judge their lives specifically by various administrations. They've been in Washington probably for 40 years. And he said that uh, they'll, they'll be sitting around talking. One will say, well, look, uh, that was, uh, let's see, uh, 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 Charlie was born in the second year of the Eisenhower administration. No, it was the third year of the Eisenhower administration, so that would make him X years old. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's just a definite, uh, very important part of our lives, the, uh, the president. And, uh, and I would be very remiss tonight when Mr. Johnson is gone to not... Uh, uh, give a few personal comments on what I think of, of, of the presidency and the, and the life we live. You know, it's, it's a funny thing about a president, uh, particularly in the case of Mr. Johnson. I think Lyndon Johnson is probably the last of what could be called the frontier type of president. As the nation becomes more and more urban and uh, more and more of it, it, the quality of, of the nation changes and the people change and the attitudes change, and I think one of the reasons why Lyndon Johnson probably confused a lot of people, especially since he, he came after uh, uh, John Kennedy, who was a very different kind of man, that Johnson was really almost the John Wayne sort of character. He was out of another, not necessarily out of another time, but, out of, but certainly out of another kind of life. Uh, he, he, uh, he was a, a man of a fantastic gusto. And in a day of cool... Uh, this seems kind of strange. In other words, he was a guy of great appetites. He was known for for his uh, for his enjoyment of fine bourbon, for example, uh, <laughs> which which uh, is is a specific thing. He he dug dogs. I mean, very obviously dogs, but not the elegant show type dogs. Johnson. I remember one incident of Johnson uh, on a show I saw one time. He was being interviewed by somebody, and it was in his house. I guess it was in the White House, and this dog was climbing all over him, just a mutt, a terrible-looking mutt, and was climbing all over him. And uh, it turns out that in the all through the interview, this dog is hanging on him and climbing, licking him and biting his ear and all that stuff. And uh, he mentioned casually that this dog was a dog that one of his daughters had found at a gas station. Uh, the dog was hurt, and she saw it at the gas station and brought it home, and now the dog's living in the White House. Talk about a fantastic success story. But uh, ne nevertheless, <laughs> that was much more typical of Johnson. Johnson, uh, Johnson, uh, this is not the kind of thing you can imagine in, in the wildest stretch of your imagination of President Nixon doing, having a stray dog living around and hanging around and grabbing his ear all the way through an interview, just not the kind of guy. Uh, Johnson, on the other hand, was, was a guy of, uh, of great gusto. And incidentally, uh, it's interesting to see that, that in, in, you know, during his uh, tenure in office, a lot of people use the term uh, Greek tragedy. The, he, he, you know, the phrase uh, classic tragedy kept reappearing, and there's some truth in that because on the one hand, uh, Johnson was a great, uh, a great figure as far as domestic uh, reform was concerned. In fact, I read one black leader tonight said that probably since Lincoln, the blacks owe uh, Lyndon Johnson more than any president in history. This is quite probably true. And uh, on the other hand, uh, he was hoist on, on, a, on a curious kind of inverted, uh, not really inverted, but let's say an idealism carried into the wrong, uh, completely, uh, quite possibly uh, erroneous areas where, where we got involved in the, in the Vietnamese War and, 
And so he was a man, on the one hand, of great exaltation, and on the other hand, of great uh, tragedy, great defeat. Now, this is, this is a classical Greek character uh, <laughs> in, in the really uh, historical sense. And by the way, uh, did you ever, you ever stop to think, you know, Johnson had other qualities about him. That, uh, did you know that under the, the, under the Lyndon Johnson administration, this is an interesting thing I found out about Johnson, uh, that under his administration, more great art, and I'm talking about great historical American art, was added to the White House collection and the National Collection than under all the other administrations combined. That's fascinating. Yes, but this is a little, a little, thing, a little thing that, that, uh, that ultimately, by probably the 21st century, could very well be a historic thing in the, in the, you might say, the National Archives. But prior to that, most of the presidents had a, uh, they were all under the influence of the European attitude, and so when so when Kennedy and, and Mrs. Kennedy would buy a work of art to add to the White House collection, they would buy a Cezanne. Well, it's fine, except that's a great French artist. <laughs> and, and so he, he, uh, he uh, commissioned people, and they went out, and they, Mrs. Uh, Johnson, and they gathered great, great um, amounts of very, very uh, uh, important American art. Uh, art going back all the way to the time of the uh, of the late uh, the late Massachusetts Bay Colony period, so it's very interesting to see what what the, the, the what history may say about Johnson uh, in that area. In fact, I read a I read a piece in uh, in one of the art magazines a few months back. Uh, a uh, critic was commenting on the fact that ultimately, probably the nation will owe more to the Johnson administration in the artistic sense than any administration quite possibly since the earliest days of uh, the American Republic, that they, they, they really uh, made a def definite and, uh, and a very successful attempt to gather great amounts of art. And it was done absolutely sotto voce. It was done without great fanfare. You didn't hear uh, a lot of talk about it much. And I, I'm just curious, uh, did you know that aspect of, of Johnson and his uh, administration? I'm not, uh, I'm not a, 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 a wild-eyed Johnson fan, but uh, let's say this. I think Johnson will be the president that most of us in our lifetimes quite probably remember most. When all of us are 75 and we look back, I think Johnson will be one president that we will really remember because of the turbulent times in which he was president, uh, because of the, the curious dynamism of the period and the spectacular explosion of passions and everything that, ex that happened all through his time. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be definitely, he's definitely going to be a, a controversial historical character. It's going to be difficult to, to, uh, to judge Johnson during, during his lifetime. Even now it's difficult. That's why I think a lot of people are a little muted about whether they, they want to say whether, they, whether they're a Johnson fan or not. But as a man, he, he, uh, he was very different from most of the people who were around him or who covered him. In interestingly enough, uh, Kennedy had a great, uh, great respect for Johnson, Kennedy personally. A lot of the people around Kennedy, there was a, there was a great undercurrent of snobbism among many of them, and they kind of put Johnson down because... He, he was a very different kind of guy than they were. Uh, they, they, uh, they, were uh, they were definitely uh, the Eastern uh, Harvard school of, uh, of intellectual. Johnson came out of another, 
another another thing, another kind of life. As a matter of fact, one of the things that was characteristic of Johnson was uh, his his love of uh, he loved action. And uh, do you remember in the early days of his administration how they were trying to stop him from driving his car? I think he had a Lincoln uh, Continental. I, I'm not sure. Might have been a caddy, but. He had a big open car, which as soon as he would get back to his ranch, now remember he's president, he would drive at 120 miles an hour. Or was it a Lincoln? But he really kicked that car around. And it used to drive the, uh, not only the, uh, the Secret Service right up the wall, because it's not easy to keep up with a car that's going 120 miles an hour through the weeds. But uh, <laughs> in addition to that, it would be kind of, you know, it would be a terrible thing if the if president rolls his car over twice and drives through a barn and, uh, you know, and in general, he was like that. He also did other things, too. Uh, I've had friends who were, you know, involved in the era who were newsmen. And Johnson used to love, he loved to sit around. He was really masculine in, in, a, in one curious respect. He loved bull sessions, private bull sessions, not public ones, but private. He was terrible when they would have a panel, uh, you know, when the, he would have to sit down and talk to Frank Reynolds or uh, talk to other stiffies and uh so he would get very stiff but uh, at three o'clock in the morning with a bottle of old charter bourbon in front of him and with about seven other guys sitting around and they could be ranged all the way from eric severide through through uh, john chamberlain it was a totally different ball game uh this is wor new york by the way and one of the things uh one of my friends who was in the news business at that time still is very famous newsman in fact he said that it was very common for him, he worked in the Washington beat, uh, to get a call at like 3 o'clock in the morning. He lived out in Georgetown or someplace, and the phone would ring, and there would be LBJ on the phone. And he'd say, hey, so how do you like a drink? And he'd say, well, you know, it's 3 o'clock, and we'll come on over. What the hell, you know? So he, he, he'd get out and get in his car and drive over, and there'd be four or five guys sitting around, and Johnson, he not, you know, he just, he just won a little company at 4 o'clock in the morning, and he... Uh, they're sitting there, and they're having their bourbon and cheese and talking until 5 in the morning. He's a fantastic character. He says, and then what would happen would be he would have a 7.30 a.m. news conference. And he said he would show up absolutely sharp and bright. And he said, and all the newsmen are sitting in the back there with their eyeballs hanging out. And, uh, you know, they, they still, you know, they're still in a state of uh, semi-comatose uh, uh, confusion. And he said, Johnson went right on. He was a very, <laughs> a very big man. Uh, in in that sense, he had he had a great uh, <coughs> excuse me, almost a Falstaffian quality about him, and uh, had tremendous personal, which didn't come over. You know, TV is a strange thing. Uh, it 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 has a curious. Some of the people with the least amount of personal charisma, somehow, curiously enough, come over the screen as having uh, charisma. Now, I can't explain that. There's been a lot of attempts to do it, but, but I know some performers, of friends of mine who are, really, who are really fine performers, who in person have about as much uh, uh, charisma as a, as you, as a bowl of uh, three-week-old cream of wheat. Uh, you know? And for some curious reason, they radiate a charisma on the air, and I think it's totally fictitious. It's a fallacious charisma, really. And yet, it, it's there. There are others who are the opposite. Uh, Johnson was one of those people. Uh, Johnson didn't seem to radiate much charisma over the screen, yet in person it was another completely different thing. Uh, he would have been a great stage performer, which is live. 
you see. Uh, he would have been a great Broadway actor. As a matter of fact, I, I remember the only time I saw Johnson uh, in person was one day, not long after he took office, after uh, the assassination of John Kennedy, he came over to the United Nations. Do you recall that visit when Johnson showed up at the United Nations? And uh, he's, he was a tremendous man uh, as far as his size was concerned. We have a news note here. Yeah. What's You're not going to believe this, Gene. I'm not going to believe it? No, you aren't going to believe it, sir. Here's you Lester listen, Smith. You very I'm listening. Yeah, go ahead. Guess what happened in Jamaica? I uh, suspect. <laughs> Monumental boxing upset in the world heavyweight title fight in Kingston, Jamaica. George Foreman knocked out champion Joe Fraser in the second round Good of that 15-rounder. I thought you'd like to hear that. I certainly do like to hear that, because uh, I think Foreman's going to be a great champion, frankly. Have you seen his record? He's 30, got... 37 for 37. 37 for 37, and some big guys. Of course, my grandmother could have licked a couple of them. <laughs> well, I've seen your grandmother, and that doesn't surprise me, Lester. Six feet seven, 290 pounds. Thank God, she's tough. But uh, that's, that's a fascinating... Did you hear that? We have a new champion tonight, George Foreman. And uh, <laughs> you remember Foreman? Foreman was... Uh, there was another guy. Now, Foreman was also associated during that period. It's curiously enough, it all fits together. But Foreman became very controversial at the Olympic Games in Mexico City, it was, when Mr. Foreman uh, knocked out his opponent, a big Russian... A uh, big, heavyweight, uh, highly experienced Russian. He didn't knock him out. I think he outpointed him TKO. And when they were all cheering, he whipped out of his trunks. Now, how he ever managed to do that, it's not easy to, to, to carry an American flag with a, fl with a little stick, a fla uh, with a flagstaff stuck down in your trunks when you're fighting a Russian. Anyway, he whips it out and starts... To, remember the flag? Well, that was during Johnson's <laughs> administration, which which uh, was a controversial thing to do, if you recall, because there were a lot of hoopla about that on one side, you know, on both sides. And uh, and uh, George Foreman, when uh, when later uh, interviewed by outraged reporters who would much have preferred, apparently, that he gives black power salutes and all that stuff, he said, he said, well, that's the way I feel. He said, you know, you, what, you want to tell me how to act? He said, I feel that way. He said, I love this country, and he did. And so uh, tonight, uh, George Foreman... Uh, takes over the heavyweight title of the world. In fact, uh, there were people at the time who said that was true, that he would eventually anyway. But uh, that's a fantastic news note. Uh, this has been a day full of strange news. Some sad, some interesting, others wildly fascinating. And you know, that that's part of, of, uh, of a president's time uh, since Johnson is no longer... Did you know that Johnson... This is another thing, probably, that... that uh, people don't talk much about. The personal style of a man uh, often affects the people around him. Now, let's face it, almost all, you agree, that almost all the people who cover presidents are men who come from big newspapers, the Times, uh, the, the, all the big papers of the world, the Washington Post, the London Papers, and so on. And these are usually men who have come uh, from... Uh, mostly uh, higher uh, accepted institutions of, of higher learning. and In other words, they're part of the intellectual world that we live in. Well, Johnson had odd tastes for them. 
so one of his tastes, by the way, did you know that Johnson was a C&W nut? Yes, Johnson, Johnson loved country western music, which of course is natural. It was part of the heritage of the, of the, of the country that he lived in. And, uh, and Johnson, uh, Johnson had a collection of, of uh, C&W records. Now, did you notice what, what, what Nixon said very discreetly the other night in the middle of a dance? Somebody said, he, he just casually threw out what he digs in music, and it kind of surprises you. Everyone would think he'd be a Lawrence Welk type. No way. Uh, he happens to be, as a matter of fact, a, uh, a classical music buff. And he says at night, when he's making unimportant decisions, he has LPs in which he, he's playing, uh, you know, he's playing uh, Mussorgsky, of all people he mentioned in his, <laughs> in his comments, which threw me completely. I mean, of all people, Mussorgsky. So, so the personal man rarely comes over the public figure, is all I'm trying to say. Uh, when Johnson is giving a speech, or when Nixon is giving a speech, or when... Uh, whatever president or whatever mayor is involved. You know, and, you're, and another thing about politics, it's almost an inbuilt tragic situation. You're a hero today, and you're a total bum tomorrow. And to the same people, as a matter of fact, we have it today on, on the newsstands, a classical example of that. Uh, just a few years ago, the Village Voice just went out of its mind over Lindsay. I mean, the Village Voice wrote about Lindsay as if, you know, he could walk on water. And in fact, uh, I suspect that they expected him to do that. However, he was he was their darling. Today, on the front page of the Voice is a is a total blast of the very same guy. So, so you know, uh, you have to you have to learn to temper what you think of a man with with a, with a larger historical perspective. I noticed one of the black leaders again. I said that one of the black leaders today made the comment that uh, probably more than any president ever in history since Lincoln. He did more for the black people. Uh, and this is a quite probably true. And that's a pretty important thing to do in this country. Uh, and his, his imprint on the presidency will last for many, many years, even though it wasn't a particularly long imprint. But what he would do, among other things, he had a collection of these records in his own private apartment in the White House, and once in a while these guys would show up, uh, you know, the, 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 the elegant newsmen from the New York Times, and in the background, they could hear it playing away there, see? In the background. And here's Lyndon sitting there with his with his uh, his bottle of old charter there, his friends around, a couple of old dogs hanging around under the desk, and Maybell Carter is singing. Well, now <laughs> I doubt whether many of the uh, many of the newsmen even knew who Maybell Carter is. Particularly the kind of thing she sang. Now, most of us think of uh, country and western as Johnny Cash or Glenn Campbell. Those guys bear about as much relationship to country and western as Eddie Fisher bears to grand opera. But uh, Maybelle Carter is singing the real thing. And this is the kind of thing that I, I suspect would be more proper to play at the passing of Lyndon Johnson than anything you could conceivably play. That's a great country western hymn. This, by the way, is Maybelle Carter and some boys I know, Merle Travis and Hank Penny and a group of uh, the Authentics. This is about as American as you can get. Will the circle be unbroken? Maybelle Carter, by the way, is uh, this woman who is singing is actually older than Lyndon Johnson. 
Not this guy, but when Maybell sings. Undertaker, please drive slow. For this body you are holding. Lord, I hate to see her go. Will the Doc Watson, another authentic member of the small clan. The sound of Will the Circle Be Unbroken echoing through the White House confused James Reston a bit. as you can get in uh, in uh, 20th century Americana. Uh, I, I Too bad I don't have uh, there'll be smoke on the water or great speckled bird uh, all of which would be very in keeping. You you heard that, Ed. You, uh, that's Vermont and your part of the country. You understand that wanna, this is the real thing. <laughs> as they say, here's, here's a little note here. We have a commercial here. Uh, good news. I slipped Long Island 
Let's see. Oh, he's left. And all you good neighbors, another exciting new village supermarket opens Tuesday, the 23rd, January 23rd at 8 a.m. on Sunrise Highway in Saxon Avenue. Uh, they say that you should come in and see the most exciting advance in shopping since supermarkets were born. Breathtaking early American decor, uh, wonderful new departments, and best of all, the tremendous variety of quality foods at lowest possible village prices, plus an in-store pharmacy where you can have a prescription priced first and then filled while you do your shopping. So come and enjoy a big, beautiful new village food store. It's on Sunrise Highway in Saxon Avenue, Islip, Long Island. And bring the whole family to the dawn, quote, of a new shopping era. Come to the village. That's not the village village down there around Greenwich Street, but uh, out in Islip. You know, uh, speaking of, uh, of Johnson, I, I, as I said, the only time I saw Johnson personally was at the U.N. I went over there when he, right after he took over uh, as president, and he visited the U.N. I don't think he gave a speech or anything that day. He just visited the U.N., he was an overpoweringly physical guy. The first thing that uh, hit you about Johnson was that he was bigger than anybody. A uh, huge man. And uh, much bigger than he looked on television. TV has a tendency to either make people look smaller or larger, but he, he definitely looked smaller on TV than he looked in life. Did you see him at all, Herb? Well, you agree with that. Boy, he was tremendous. I don't know how tall he was, but he must have been 6'3". Well, he seemed taller than that. Uh, at 6'3", some guys don't seem big. No, he seemed taller than that. He really did. Uh, he had huge shoulders, and there was a great presence he had. And when the Johnson walked on the scene, you knew that somebody important had arrived just by the very feeling around him. But, uh, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> presidents are, are interesting. I, I don't think... Of course, there's no office in the world that's anything like the presidency. We don't... Uh, there's no other country has the equivalent of our president. Uh, in, for example, in England, the, the uh, prime minister is almost is always the appointed, really, the head of the party that is, uh, is put into power, and he always represents, at that time, the party that's in power. Whereas in our system, that's not necessarily true. In fact, uh, more often than not, the president represents the party that's out of power. So he's, he's, uh, he's got a curious... We've got this, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, uh, I do remember that. Did somebody call and ask about that? Yes, I do remember this. I remember Johnson making himself highly unpopular with all the senators. Somebody called us in. Uh, he called all the senators back to Washington over the Christmas vacation and get the work done. Do you remember that? You get back here. You? <laughs> oh, I remember the, the terrible uproar about that. Uh, Johnson Johnson uh, was was a guy who believed in getting it done, and uh, he set about doing it. There was there, at one thing you must say about Johnson's uh, term in office, it was not a term of complacency uh, at, at at any point. I mean, he got through more fantastic legislation uh, in spite of great opposition. I'm talking about social legislation. Uh, you know that when when they when they passed the Civil Rights Bill that Johnson was riding through the Senate uh, shortly after he became president, that uh, there was the, the, the longest uh, filibuster in history was carried out against that bill, if uh, you recall that. And uh, Johnson just rode it right on until they got it through. 
and uh, it was important. I mean, this is this is not this is not a uh, a light thing to do, as as uh, Mr. Nixon has found out. Getting uh, Congress to do anything uh, constructive is not an easy thing, uh, primarily because there's too many forces at work. It almost cancels itself out often. Ninety-six guys and four hundred and some odd uh, congressmen, and everyone with his own constituency. Ultimately, you wonder how they ever get anything done. But he he did it. He carried it out. Now, of course, he was he was considered among Senate peers and uh, and people who watched him were quite probably. I, I noticed Javits said that tonight. Quite probably, the greatest parliamentarian in the history of our country. In other words, he really knew the rules of uh, Senate of the of the parliamentary procedures involved. He knew how to get a bill through and in and out of it, uh, you know, out of uh, committee and and onto the floor and ultimately passed, which is no mean feat. And uh, he was a he was a great, uh, quite probably the greatest Senate whip ever known. And he could he could get that stuff done. Now again, you must understand that I'm not not uh, condoning uh, Johnson's uh, record in foreign affairs. I think that the Vietnamese War has been a colossal uh, blunder. Although again, I think Johnson was caught in it as much as anybody else. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not like a lot of people who will blame it on Johnson. Johnson per se. Incidentally, that is another difficult thing to say. You do not know what history might ultimately say about this whole thing. So, no way of knowing. Uh, we tend to, to to believe that we all do know what history will say, but yet. Uh, we have an interesting example of a president who has just passed on, Truman. But during a large part of Truman's lifetime, in fact, immediately following he, leaving the office, Truman was anything but a respected, honored president. Do you recall that? It was only later events and later developments and later re-evaluation and so forth of what he did during his time that he's come to be an accepted great president. But had he died eight or nine or ten years ago, he would have died without that knowledge. Uh, as it is now, it's, a, it's pretty much of an accepted fact that he was a great president and an, an unexpectedly great one, too, at that. So nobody knows what makes a great president. Not necessarily education. Uh, if it were education, a lot of our greatest presidents would have fallen by the wayside. Among them, Lincoln. He did not have the best education in the world. And uh, so it's difficult to say what makes a great president. Quite often it's adversity. In fact, uh, uh, a, a president is often not going to go down in history much if he presides over a period of good feeling. In other words, if nothing really bad happens during his administration, he's liable to be forgotten by history pretty much. And there have been many presidents of that type uh, almost every president that we look back upon as a great president is one who has gone through fantastic problems. Lincoln, uh, certainly Roosevelt, uh, Wilson, too, probably, and uh, Johnson certainly will go down in, in history in that light. But it's, it's, a, it's a, I, I've just wondered uh, how long our history will last. In other words, we, we seem to take our history... As kind of a, as kind of a foregone conclusion that there will be a thousand years pass and there will be presidents. Uh, that's that's not necessarily true. Has it occurred to you that that maybe three or four hundred years from now, that there won't even be presidents? 
that uh, who knows what can happen in history. No one knows. And that there, there may not even be presidents uh, the way we know them now. And it could very well be that our history that we all have lived through, our nation up to this time, it's a very new country, uh, could very well be the beginning of a country rather than the aging and the, uh, the decline of a country. This could be the beginning of a country. A lot of people felt this way. Among them, Johnson, incidentally. Uh, it's not a popular feeling. Of course, during Johnson's day, it was very popular to think that America's sick, it's declining, and it's, it's over and the whole bit. And uh, he represented a minority view. And I think, uh, I think he might have been right that, uh, that this, is a, this is the beginning of a country. Well, we're only, what, 200 years old. That's nothing uh, as far as countries go. Just the beginning uh, the, why, why the smallest the banana republic is 200 years old or better. And I'm using that phrase not in a pejorative sense, but the, a small country that depends on bananas for its livelihood <laughs> is, uh, is not necessarily 200 years old or better, or maybe five or 600. But, uh, you know, Johnson, Johnson was, a, a, among other things, Johnson was a great horseman. Uh, Johnson rode well. And when I was uh, working on the Today Show, I did a stint at one time on the Today Show with John Chancellor when John was, was, the, uh, was the host or the anchor man of the show. Uh, we went out to Texas. We did a show in Fort Worth. In fact, we spent the whole week there. And uh, as you know, on the Today Show, everybody has his role. Well, our, our Barbara Walters was a, was a woman named Louise King. You might remember her on the show. She was the Louise King of that period. And uh, John Chancellor was the uh, was the Hugh Downs or the uh, Frank McGee of that period, and I was the was the Joe Garagiola of the period. And so I had to do all the stuff. See, that means that uh, whenever they had a, a a motor scooter that they were talking about, I had to ride the damn thing. Uh, John Chancellor would just look a little pained and say, "Now we go to Gene Shepherd for the motor scooter bit." And uh, I had to do these things. So among other things. I was the guy that did all the riding on that show. Uh, I, I happen to enjoy riding, and, uh, and I did all the riding on these magnificent horses down in Texas, and they, they brought them out. We, we, in fact, covered the Fort Worth stock auction, the stock show down there, right in the big arena. And so we photographed the show outside in the cutting ring where they were, where they were having the World Championship Cutting Contest. And uh, I was riding this magnificent cutting horse. Boy, a beautiful thing. $250,000 worth of horse flesh. Yes, indeed. And that horse was so sensitive and so, uh, not only sensitive, but so uh, conscious of your every move that this horse would do exactly what you wanted him to do without any movement, really, on your part. So you just move your body slightly to the left, and he moved to the left. Fantastic horse. Well, among other things that were there were a collection of, uh, from the LBJ Ranch, uh, some of the great uh, quarter horses that Johnson rode and had on his ranch. Johnson's private. What was the name of his horse? Do you recall the name of his horse? He had a, a famous quarter horse that Johnson would ride whenever he went down home. And Johnson's horse was there. And uh, he was a great horseman. Not many presidents in our time have been. In fact, I can't think of any. Uh, who were uh, certainly not uh, Nixon, as far as I know. I can't imagine Nixon on a horse. Uh, Kennedy had back problems, and I doubt whether he did much riding. 
Uh, certainly, uh, Eisenhower might have been a good horseman. In fact, he was. I think Eisenhower owned a, a famous Arabian that was given to him by one of the heads of a, of a Bedouin tribe, a sheikh, uh, from, uh, from, I believe, uh, from uh, Palestine in that area. In fact, I saw the, the area it came from. But all I'm saying here is that Johnson was a, a, a kind of president that I doubt whether we'll ever see much again. A guy that comes out of a little simple one-room school who, uh, who literally lives in a, in a little kitchen. Uh, did you see the pictures on TV tonight of his earliest days when he was living in this little tiny house and, and, uh, and there was a bad-looking refrigerator back of him and he was, he was teaching school and all that? Well, this sort of thing was really, in a sense, curiously in a democracy held against him. Uh, I think that we're coming to the point now where if you have what used to be called a humble background, that will be literally held against you, uh, which possibly shows uh, a growing sense of aristocracy in the country or a, a growing, uh, a growing um, perhaps it might be a growing, uh, almost a growing monarchial view that many people have of uh, the presidency today. But uh, he's gone, and uh, he will be remembered. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm making no value judgments here, but uh, Johnson, you'll remember him in your time and your life. And uh, when you remember him, it will always be with mixed emotions. Uh, on the one hand, you couldn't help but admire the guy for a lot of the things he did. On the other hand, who knows? Uh, and just like a, every great tragic uh, figures, and I think Johnson ultimately will be considered that, uh, he is very ambivalent, very ambivalent. Just like Hamlet, for example. On the one hand, you could hate Hamlet for his constant complaining. On the other hand, Hamlet, Hamlet uh, was, uh, had many of the aspects of true nobility. And so I suspect, ultimately, so will Johnson. And uh, he certainly was his own man. Took a lot of guts to come out and simply say, I'm not running, and I'm doing this for the, for the good of the country which he did and surprised many of his critics and uh, surprised even his closest advisors. Do you remember that night? Watching television, he just dropped it at the end. Truly theatrical bomb he laid on people. But Johnson was that way. He walked his own way. He was uh, hard drinking, hard loving, hard riding, uh, a big man in every sense of the word. And he's driven his loss long, dusty ride down that road with that, that Lincoln Continental roaring full out. Loved to drive fast. And uh, in a sense, I guess he was a great loner, which, by the way, is very typical of people from Texas. There's a curious look in the eyes of many Texans. Maybe it's seeing too many long prairies and knowing how small man ultimately is. Because you get that sense when you walk along that great prairie in Texas that uh, you may be a big man down at Neiman Marcus, but you ain't nothing but a little, little, you ain't nothing but a little squinch bug under the great big sun that moves around and around and around. So Lyndon Johnson, hail and farewell. Sweet Prince, sweet Johnson, sweet rider, sweet bourbon drinker, and a great man in history. Whether you like him or not, he will stand there. This is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lister Smith and the News.